Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Talking Heads with Buckinghamshire Business First. I'm Daniel Cope, the Climate Change Programme Manager here at BBF. So today I'm very excited to be sat with the one and only Chris Hines. He was the first Director of Sustainability for the Eden Project. He's co-founder of Surfers Against Sewage and owner of A Grain of Sand. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, it's worth a quick mention that today is the 30th of November, which happens to be the first day of COP28 in the UAE. But unlike COP, Chris, I don't think this podcast will get too controversial. At least I'm not planning on it. So let's keep it that way. Uh, Chris, first and foremost, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the environmental mission you have been on and been a part of to this point. So I'm 61 years old. I was lucky enough when I was 28 years old to co-found this amazing organisation, Surface Against Sewage, which I then worked for for 10 years. But that came really from a community. It was a community of individuals and we were just fed up with the state of our coastal waters, getting panty liners and condoms in the face of swimming and surfing in a slick of human excrement. And we set out uh, to change that. And by hook and by crook, by what I term as intelligent activism, by a multifaceted campaign, we changed it. We changed the reality of our world and we helped deliver a five and a half billion pound spend on the cleanup of our coastal waters. Uh, and when I say multifaceted, we used law, science, media, shareholder actions, all you name it, we kind of used that. And it was multiple elements of pressure to create that positive change of going forwards. And the other thing that happened was we were one bunch of individuals on interested really with two or three little beaches in our local communities. But the moment we raised our heads, we suddenly realised that we were part of a broad collection of people right around the UK who wanted clean seas and I think that applies to the challenges that face us now. We've got to understand that if we think things are tough and if we think there are challenges ahead then take solace from the fact that there's a lot of other people in the same situations and that collectively when we come together we will have this massive power, this wave of positive change that we can help drive forwards. Now that's brilliant Chris and you've got that that really long and kind of rich history of experience in this field. And the event we have hosted today that you were a part of here at the gallery in Milton Keynes, it, we titled it Positive Change into 2024. Yet we see so many areas in which we are falling short of this target to you know keep below one and a half degrees, whatever we set that target as. And of course, you've been in this field a long time uh, in 2008, Chris, you were awarded an MBE for services to the environment. We're here now in 2023 um, and we're looking for that positive change. Do you feel we're getting it or, or are, we, are we getting there? Are we going backwards? How do you uh, see it? It is frustrating. I do feel, um, so the moaning, the MBE in my book stands for Moaning Bloody Environmentalist. <laughs> um, but I think... I'm disappointed and I will be a bit political. I think the 13 years that we've seen have slowed down our, our, our advance on being the leaders. I don't think the UK can say that we're leaders in this anymore. Uh, and I think we need to change that. Um, but I do find it frustrating. I find it frustrating that we're not unleashing the collective power uh, and the genius of us all. Uh, and... We have amazing technology. There was, there was a moment 
take, for example, wind turbines. The UK is the windiest, second windiest nation probably in the whole of Europe, other than Ireland. We also manufacture some of the best turbines in the world, i.e. Rolls-Royce. And yet we never had our own indigenous UK-based wind turbine industry. We should have absolutely been world leaders in that. Uh, so those things, some of that is dictated by what we see as, our, as the importance to the country. And we need to really make some of those changes because they will be good. You know, if we do invest and unleash our, our expertise and our innovation and our business capabilities for the people, then we can be one of those and help drive that real change that we need to see. And the change is becoming really urgent. And I do find that frustrating. And yes, I do suffer from eco-anxiety. What happens when I get eco-anxiety is that I kind of get a little bit mad and I steal myself mm. and I come out and I try and drive positive change and inspire others to do so. I, I suspect that was a key driver uh, for service against uh, sewage. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We could either have just gone, well, this is depressing and we're going to take this on the nose and keep surfing. But I think it's also, you go through that first, first moment of complaining and the first moment of any environmental campaigning is to protest. Mm -hmm. But then you've got to get sharp. You've got to bring out the very best in what we can do. So I kind of use this phrase, uh, intelligent activism. And intelligent activism is bringing our own personal and professional skills to the table, to the, the, the case that we need to drive forwards and to doing that with absolute focus so that we do you know, absolutely buzz every neuron and stretch every sinew to make these changes happen, to be the best team. Again, and, and some of this is about attractiveness. It's about spirit. You know, if you walk into a, a room and there's two bunches of people, maybe they're talking about the same thing. And one of those bunches of people are dour and they're kind of slowed down uh, and it might all be a bit grim. And the other one is this kind of like energy-driven positivity. That will be the, the, the group of people that you would automatically walk over and go and see. And it's not that they take the issue less seriously. It's that they take the solutions and the positive future more seriously. And they see that as the vision of where we all need to go. And I guess they don't even need to have that solution, rather the, at least the enthusiasm for the solution, uh, the openness to whatever that solution is. Yes. But being uh, part of that collaboration... Um, I, I guess they, they get far more from it. Yeah, and, and I think if you have, um, it, it, it's a bit, I suppose it's a bit like having a training or, or a facility for, for people to become good at sport. If you have the ability to go out and play and there's a positive thing saying, yeah, go and play, yeah. some people will come through and they'll be brilliant and they'll be able to use their real skills. But you've got to make that a fertile ground You've got to kind of like feed in some fertilizer. If it was vegetables you wanted to grow, you'd have to chuck, you've got to make it an, an attractive, you've got to make sure the sunshine's there and it's, there's some water so that the ideas and the innovations can thrive and the collaboration is really important as well. And I spoke a little bit today about the, the difference. Um, competition is good and we need it, but absolutely when we also need to collaborate, we're all in this together. Uh, we will do better if we collaborate with our ideas and help everybody go forwards. 
Because so it's a bit of open book and encouraging others to change as well. It's a, a balance, I think, isn't it, where they've almost got to lower their defences um, and the the secrecy of business, I guess, to their peers to be able to recognise the common themes that will exist throughout all businesses. Because there's a good chance if you as a business, a listener to this, are struggling with a certain element or aspect of your net zero journey, other businesses will be facing that exact problem too, equally looking for a solution for it. Yeah, so then when that solution comes through, it affects loads of people to come through. So, for example, this little thing of solar carports. Yes. I mean, you know, the French government have ruled that all car parks over 60 spaces have to install solar canopies on their car parks. So those car parks start becoming energy generators, which was also then a cash driver as well, because money will come from those car parks that are covered in solar canopies. And let's face it, nothing else is going on there. They're just car mm. parks. So you suddenly start to think, well, if everybody starts doing that, then we, maybe we can create money and we can create um, ways of generating uh, economy, economic um, positive outcomes as well. Um, there was a case in, in, in Cornwall where they looked at putting electric vehicles in for um, some nurses powered by so they put electric vehicles with a solar energy plant and by doing that and changing away from the 45 pence a mile they created the salary of two extra nurses it's unbelievable that's the positivity of what we can do here created from nothing effectively yes it's just more pro be more productive uh, as a result uh chris you worked at the eden project and there's no doubt that the site has further strengthen the tourism sector within Cornwall. Um, Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire as a whole, is a naturally green area. And we recognise at BBF as a business membership organisation that our members really are the first stop outside of London. Uh, we have many tourism and hospitality sector. You've met some of them today, businesses. Um, how important is it for these tourist-focused businesses to consider the natural elements or is it only really relevant for the Eden project because they are such a large um, entity yeah, so our natural environment is all around us and we need to make sure that even you know we create biodiversity corridors so that species can move from one area of woodland to another mm -hmm. and that can be through little elements of your car parks even but recognizing the the, the mental and physical well-being that comes from the natural environment um, is really important. And that then feeds into the physical and mental well-being of the people who work for your companies. And then if they're happier, they're going to do a better job. So are they then going to create that innovation? Are they going to create that good company? Um, and even down to, you know, I would encourage everybody, we're a bit late for this year, but next, next autumn go out and collect some acorns and just pop, chuck them in little pots and grow them and then one or two years on, pop them in the ground and they suddenly, you'll look back in 40 years as I do and you go, that's an oak tree, a proper 40-foot oak tree because that connection to the natural environment keeps building. But I think, you know, it is a lovely area. I got up this morning and it's freezing cold. It's properly net zero it and was. net sub-zero <laughs> this morning. <laughs> And I went for a walk in the park over there uh, and 
it was beautiful. And just by making the effort to go out and walk, I found the amazing rose mm-hmm. yes. out there that is this collection of pillars that are dedicated. Uh, it's a commemorative garden made of these stone pillars with things like, you know, International Women's Day, mm. World Computing Day, um, those things, Windrush Day, all of these amazing things that have happened, and they're all over there. And it was, you know, it was dawn, it was misty with a kind of like a frost down and everything, but it was a real beautiful thing. And it inspired me and fired me up even to come in here today. It enriched my life. And I think that's what it's about. It's about the enrichment of people's lives that's happened over the centuries. And we need to go forwards and keep inspiring people so that when people look back at the times we live in now, they will also say, great things happened there. You know, maybe there should be a stone pillar out there that that was the year that the council committed to net zero. Quite right, too. Absolutely. No, really, really insightful. I think one point of interest for me, Chris, is um, the relationship between what I would call conventional business and the natural world. And for us, I, I feel it's almost like a final frontier. If your business isn't directly within the natural environment, um, and you're, let's say you're an accountancy firm, it's very difficult for an accountancy firm to think, well, what impact do I have on the natural, natural environment? Or therefore, how does it impact me and my business? But actually, what you're saying is, by going out where we are locally, where our businesses are, even in areas we, you know, you might not be in a forest, but you're still in a natural environment. And that can, in turn, enrich you as a person, but your decisions within the business, right? Yeah, and I think also, you know, bring the skills of accountancy in that example. How do we measure? How do we put value on the natural environment? Because it is. Because if there was no natural environment, we would all go off and die because the natural environment wouldn't be feeding us. Um, and, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar that, it, you know, if we were looking at the last days of an apocalypse, no one would be going, I must register my year-end accounts. That just would not be the last thing on anybody's lips. So it's how do we bring those skills? Because we do need to go and measure. We do need to have proper forms of triple bottom line accounting. Yes. So that that actually becomes part of people's end of year accounts, that they can say, yes, we, we had this net positive impact on the environment, on our carbon, on our social, on our outreach projects. And that makes a rich companies and that interfaces you as part of a rich community. And then that community is, is where you draw your new staff and your new recruits and everything from. We are all connected and we are just animals. That is what we are. No natural environment, no us. I could not agree more, Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, two more points that I'd just love to cover with you. The first is on greenwashing and many businesses that we speak with um, really, really want to get involved. They're just so fearful that they will... Uh, misstep and in turn they will expose themselves to criticism from their consumers from the wider public and they actually think you know what if we keep our heads down we can hide from all of this criticism by not doing anything what would you say to businesses to our listeners who might be thinking well we're wanting to take action but we're scared once we start um, on this journey um, it's a perilous journey from then on so we have to be we have to avoid greenwashing and some people will try and use it to promote 
Quite. You know, bad business practices and just to create their brand on top and stronger brand. But we also need to realise that we need a positive truth being said as well. And it's a bit like bullying. We shouldn't cow down just because some people are criticising it. So my advice would be if you, you know, do be prepared to say it, talk and talk and communicate about the good things that you do and try persuade others to join you know yourselves and all the you know thousands of companies and individuals who are doing good things but do ask and have a look at other people in your sector other people who you respect and do play that devil's advocate maybe it's that you sit down and you go have we really thought this through is there something we could better we could do are we greenwashing rather than you know unthinkingly just saying that's all fine that's all green so get the experts to help you do a bit of devil's advocacy and check that you are saying the right thing. But absolutely, we need to talk because the people who don't want us to talk, who want to maintain this current mad version of the world, want us to feel intimidated. They want us to feel like we shouldn't come out and say these things. And there are dilemmas for absolutely everybody. I talked about the dilemmas of travelling here today, you know, and I've done part of it on a train, second class, standard class, because that's lower carbon footprint. But I've also done part of it in my car. Now, that's the reality, because otherwise I'd be away from Cornwall for another whole day and I, you know, can't afford to do. But that's a dilemma. And that's the thing about not being greenwashing. I could just say, I've done the whole thing by public transport. But I haven't. And I think by opening up and being truthful about it, it helps us drive the more positive solutions um, that we will need to see come in place. And I know full well that in, you know, a year or two years' time, my whole journey would be that way because I would come by train and I would also be able to come, uh, or any of the rest of the journey would be by electric car. Um, so I can make those changes. No, that's that's brilliant. And I think the what I heard from all of that was be transparent. Just, yeah, transparency. Just, just share. Yeah, transparent, because um, you share your problems, but you also share the solutions. Mm-hmm. Which, um, uh, I mean, how can we really blame someone or be critical of an organisation if they're being upfront? I mean, what more could we want from a business, right, by them putting the, the kind of their cards on the table? Um, another one for you. Um, of course, you're very motivational Chris you speak and everyone wants to follow your tune because you've you've got that kind of impact on us um I wonder what should business leaders do for their employees or how should they engage with their employees on this journey both to motivate them but also to listen um any advice you could give there to listeners Uh, leadership is an important thing you know there does have to be the senior team or you know, whether it be a kind of like a a flat management or appointed kind of management structure, there does need to be leadership and that those leaders do need to kind of lead by example. Um, But also you absolutely need to listen because some of the best ideas are mixed up in the people who are on the shop floor, for want of a better word, uh, who are doing these tasks day by day. They're the people who are the experts in their own little part of the field. And a good company will have that top to bottom, right across the breadth and depth of an organisation, that ability to hear good ideas and to also make that the culture so that it's okay to come forwards and say, are we doing this right? How could we do this better? And maybe there's a step way of doing it better. Maybe you can make some of those changes immediately. Um, 
it, that is a really important thing. And it's about the culture and respect for each other and everybody within that company. And I think that's something that we have to have that respect for each other, but also respect for, you know, skills, for science, for engineering and for kind of truth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and in that we recognise everyone's skill sets, don't we? And actually what they know best might be um, what someone on the lower level of the hierarchy might know that the business owner simply does not get exposed to. Um, so that's brilliant. I've got one more question, Chris, before we, we let you go off surf into the sunset. Um, <laughs> Not the sunset too much. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, what else would you recommend? What's the final piece of advice you give for anyone listening who's thinking, well, I want to go into 2024 with that positive change. Where should I start? What would you say? There's no wrong answer they should start at. Um, going into 2024, make a, a pledge to connect with nature. Okay. once a day and realize how lucky we are and that brilliant quote from alice walker activism is the rent i pay for living on the planet activism we is the rent i pay for living on the planet i like that we are incredibly lucky to be here and probably most people listening to this we are the luckiest of the lucky you know we will have a roof over our heads tonight we will eat well and we will be warm and secure and therefore, even more, we need to make our lives count. We need to step into that positive future, make that commitment for change, and start off with little bits. And next thing you know, encourage other people around you to make those changes. And next thing you know, we will have created that future. We have to believe in that and take on the naysayers as well. Chris, that's brilliant. Well, I'm going to go now and plant my acorn. If you want to come back in 40 years uh, to see how that's grown, I'd be uh, more than happy for you to do that, Chris. Uh, thank you for your time today. Time flies, doesn't it, when we're having fun. But uh, thank you for all of our listeners. And um, I guess uh, from me, it's goodbye. And from you, Chris. I'll see you when I'm 101. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.